Welcome to the Design Course Welcome to the Design Course Academy podcast, where you learn how to design a first world business in a third world economy. Here's your host, Adabarangia Jaunu. Welcome to the Design Course Academy podcast. Today, my special guest and very special friend is Napa Onwusa. Now, I'm going to let Napa introduce herself to you, but today we're going to be talking about how to balance your passion with reality. Okay, and believe me, this is going to be one of those conversations that you need to just sit down with a duvet with a pen and paper and just take some notes, okay? Just do notes to self, okay? And then just make some key decisions because if you're going down the, uh, the track of entrepreneurship or starting a business, this is the masterclass that you should have taken before even thinking about going into entrepreneurship. All right, so Napa, it's, I've been wanting to have you on, on the podcast for a long time. Now, I don't know why we waited so long to do this, but I guess this is the right time for this conversation. Thanks for joining us. And thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm honored. Um, Can't wait for us to dive into the topic today. All right, let's go for it. So how did you get started with your career? Because um, I know that this is a conversation that uh, this podcast basically was created for business owners and entrepreneurs. However, not everyone starts out as a business owner or entrepreneur. We have those years where we have to go through a career path so that we can at least pay bills or learn what we're eventually going to be offering as a product or service. So um, what, what are you currently doing and how did you get started? Okay, so um, I work as a director in Visa. Visa is a, a payments company. Um, I actually started in Microsoft as a large opportunities manager. And when I was in university, I had made up my mind I wanted to work for Microsoft. And as of that time, Microsoft wasn't in Nigeria. Um, so I did my youth service uh, with a, a local IT company, and then they made me an offer to move to one of their subsidiaries to uh, be in their sales department for internet. Uh, be a trend in technology where I could really establish myself. Um, so I joined another technology company that was a startup. And in okay. the startup, I, decide, I told the MD, I remember then, I did a, a business plan for Microsoft. Okay. As of the time I joined the startup, uh, Microsoft had just come into Nigeria. There were like two people in the organization. And I had been striving to work for Microsoft for like three, four years. Uh, so what I did was I um, did a business plan for how the business could start looking at software. Because what the business mm. did was clone machines. That's all they did. And they did a little yeah. bit of infrastructure, some cabling and all of that. But the only way I could get into Microsoft was to do software. So I went to the MD then and I did this big pitch and he was like, okay, he'll make me head of business development. And then I went to a guy called Jide Adjose. He was the biggest Microsoft software distributor then. 
And I told him I wanted him to train me on software licensing. And this was like uh, maybe 18 years ago. So software licensing then for Microsoft was very complex. Even some of the Microsoft employees didn't really understand it. Um, so mm. once I got the knowledge, I went and I put together, based on the plan I had done, I went and I started selling big deals for Microsoft. And because of that, I got to know the MD of Microsoft, some people in the team. And um, I, I, all I was doing, this, all, this whole thing I was doing was to get a job inside Microsoft. And um, as of that time, um, in fact, the company that I started with as a startup has become a 100% software company today. They don't do anything else. They only do software. And it was based on that initial push I gave to, like, let's start looking at software. Wow. And then one day, the office manager calls me because everybody knew me in Microsoft by that point. And she said, oh, Napa, we got your CV for the role. And before God and man, I had never, ever submitted my CV to Microsoft. I was <laughs> waiting for the opportunity to do so. But the role had just come out and they said that they had received my CV. So that is a testimony in itself. I think God saw how wow. badly I wanted this and really, you know, supported me in my, in my drive. And then I get mm. to the interview and um, beside me is somebody from PwC. So I was a fresh out of school, like two, three years experience. Yeah, I had sold some big deals for Microsoft, but um, I didn't have the level of experience um, that the other candidates had. And she was from PwC. I think she had about seven, eight years experience. And I was sitting there and I said, oh God, how am I going to pass this? Because, you know, she has the experience on her side. And then we waited for like an hour and then she gets up and she says, look, I can't take this. I can't sit here and be kept uh -uh. waiting for one hour. And then she walks out and I'll say, look at God, you know, and I got the job in Microsoft. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I got the job. And after five years, I moved to Cisco and then I moved to SAP and Nokia and now Visa. Woo! Okay, my hair's on fire. <laughs> that, that, that is a, no seriously because when when uh, we all got turned on to uh, technology, it was Microsoft that we all yes. met. I mean, yep, everybody yep. everybody wanted to be Bill Gates. Everybody, I mean, yeah. go to every conference. Oh, look at Bill Gates! Look at Bill Gates! And I'm like, and and that is exactly what we all uh, met. And you actually got to work in Microsoft. Okay, yes. so and everything you did was before you even got the job and that's one thing that that gets to me because i mean i have actually um done stuff like that before offer my services as a volunteer to to a team that i wanted to be part of okay so i didn't go in saying i want a job i just looked i said look what can i do to help and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Once, once an opportunity opened up, I was right there and I was given the job, you know. So people, people who, um, who see you, you know, at, at your current uh, position assume that all you just did was look pretty and the opportunity just fell, fell in your lap. No one knows that you just, you had to hustle to get yeah. what you got, you know. Yeah. And, there, and right now, there are a lot of um, there's this entitlement mentality that I keep running into, which bothers me because that is not how uh, the economy that we met, okay, was built. People didn't feel like you just had to hand them things because they, you know, 
they showed up or because they want it. Okay, people had to work hard for it. People had to um, to prove that they that they uh, that they could deliver. And we we rarely see that in the generation today. But what can, can you uh, speak to that? Because I don't know if I'm the only one seeing it. Okay, but I keep running into it regularly, and it concerns me. Yeah, I think you're right. Um... But the entitlement mentality, I think, stems from a lot of things. I think it stems from a lack of depth. So um, gone are the days where you have to be an expert to sell a service based on your expertise. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, if you have a good enough tagline um, or a good enough you know, social media following, you can put something together that's not quite well cooked and then yeah. you sell it to people. So people may seem entitled but really the entitlement stems from the lack of you know you're just not deep in terms of your your skill and your abilities mm. so mm. somebody runs a business for one year and decides i can tell you how to um have uh, ensure your customers have a great experience but you are not yet deep <laughs> and even the yeah. trainings <laughs> yeah the trainings people are doing now are trainings that um are not uh that don't go deep as well so somebody just comes and gives you a quick do you think that this is how you should treat your customers this is how you should treat your customers and then that is enough but no you don't look at things like uh funnel mm -hmm. pipeline mm -hmm. conversion ratios mm -hmm. uh you don't look at things that responsibility matrix you don't look at things like uh being able to understand your customer landscape in an account these are very deep things so that's the first thing because it requires a lot of effort to be deep like that, instead of looking at putting the effort in, they just look at, let me say that this is, is my oh. right, because other people are yeah. doing it without the depth, and then they're fine. And then another thing is lack of preparedness. I, I come across this a lot with young entrepreneurs, and I don't really understand it. So you say you're a social media mm. manager. You manage pages mm. for people. But when I ask you for your pricing, you don't have anything mm -hmm. for me. I should be able to get your pricing mm -hmm. immediately. You should be able to tell me there are three levels. Mm -hmm. And for level one, this is the cost. This is this. This is that. So um, I find that a lot. And coming back to what you said about entitlement mentality. So the, there's an aspiring Instagram model that came to me to ask me for my advice. And I told her, my own advice for you is two things. Put your pricing together. So whoever asks you about your pricing, you'll be able to say, this is how much I charge. This is what I charge for. Yeah. And the second thing, go and learn about um, uh, photo releases. Mm. When the photographer takes the picture, who owns the rights? Mm. Are you able to sell on a shutter stock mm. or something like mm. that? And it was overwhelming for her. And it gave me great, great concern because I was like, you are no longer just doing entrepreneurship you're literally running a business so we haven't even gone into uh invoicing we haven't done into records so you see a lot of small business owners maybe you own a salon you don't have an accounting software and i'm like do you have a book where you write the hmm. money's coming in the money's going out no you don't so i mean the lack of debt is, is frightening and the lack of preparedness is frightening so you can't say you are really running a business and in fact there was a time i posted on twitter a few weeks ago i said if you can't manage a business or manage yourself, maybe you should consider going to work in a nine to five. Mm -hmm. So somebody can manage you for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, that's what would be mm -hmm. better. 
Well, the, the truth is that a lot of people have a romantic idea of what running a business is. And when reality uh, slaps them in the face, they're like, this is not what I signed up for. I want something else. Yeah. It's like marriage. It's, you know, it's like marriage. I mean, you read that, you, 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 you watch that movie and you think that that's how uh, marriage will be. Everybody's smiling every day, waking up to the birds singing and everything. That is not, that is, I don't know about anybody else, but that's not how my marriage is all the time. <laughs> I mean, there are some of those days, you know, when you, you don't feel married. <laughs> okay. But it's the discipline of, your, of the commitment you have made okay, to the union that, that gets you out of bed and gets you to do what is required. And that's what business really uh, is about. There are days I don't want to pick up my phone. In fact, there are yeah. times when, when clients call, I'm like, not this guy again. And then I basically have to, I mean, my mouth is saying not this guy again because I'm not in the mood, but my finger says, look, guy, talk to this guy. It, it, that's how, it's not about you. It's about the business, you know, and exactly. you have to be professional about it. And, mm -hmm. and whatever it is, figure out how to fix it. Okay, back to what you talked about, um, you know, uh, your conversation with, with these uh, young aspiring business people because they aren't business people yet until they put these things in place where you ask someone about a price list and they don't have one um you know i have the privilege of of um let me just i don't like using the word mentor because it's a loose term these days when you say you're mentoring someone i mean there are, there are certain things mentorship is almost like marriage okay there are, there are commitments that that people have to keep in that relationship which a lot of people aren't ready to keep in a real mentorship relationship so i have a bunch of people that come to ask me questions regularly and they say okay i'm i'm uh, i have some clients i'm struggling here and there one of the first things I ask them is, do you have a price list? And there's this look of what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. all I have to do is show up, have a great portfolio and name my price. I'm like, okay, you want to name your price. What is on your price list? How do you justify what you are doing? Do you bill by the hour? Do you bill by milestones? How do you bill? If, if you're sitting in front of a decision maker right now and they say, give me your quote, write it down here on a napkin. Do you have that? And of course, crickets, they don't. And then when you tell them, okay, go generate one and bring it back. Oh my goodness. It's like, <laughs> it's like you send them on timeout. Like, yeah, I, I did. I didn't come for this. I wanted, you know, that quick fix of, oh, you're an entrepreneur. Um, uh, the world is your oyster. You know, that's that's what they want to hear. But they don't want to hear the day-to-day -day rigor of running a business. Is that intellectual rigor that a lot of them are running away from? That grits because when it doesn't work. And you're blaming everything but, the, but your lack of discipline. That's what's going on in, in the world today. And like you said, they might as well go and get a nine to five so that somebody else can manage them since they don't know how to, uh, to, <laughs> to manage themselves. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Um, now, we've talked about the listeners. And okay, we're not listener. These people we're talking about, not you. We're not talking about you. We're talking about other people. Okay. All right. Now, um, the listener who is listening to us talk right now, 
is thinking to themselves, wow, she worked at Microsoft, she worked at Cisco, and now she's, 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 uh, she's working at Visa. Wow, I would really want that career or that life. And we haven't even gotten to the part where you run several businesses as well, you know, but mm. I don't know if, if you want to touch that eventually, but you, you're running a career to which you are accountable and then you're running a business to which you are accountable. And lest I forget, you're running a foundation at the same yeah. time. Look, guys, okay, these people that are listening are wondering how does she do it? How did she get here? Let's just touch, touch that. How can the listener, okay, we're, we're not promising that in two years, five years, they will be working at Visa, okay? But what advice would you give them to get started in growing in their space? Um, Career-wise now, or just generally? Just be broad. I mean, um, broad. touch whatever <laughs> you feel is, is, is relevant. I'm going to ask, I'm going to let you just do what you need to do. Okay, so... Um, one of the things I would say is that you may not really have a clear vision or idea of where you want to end up, and that is okay. That is the first part. It mm. is okay. So um, I was fortunate that I have, I've always had a very clear vision of things I want to achieve, and God has been very kind to make those things happen. Uh, but I'll use the example of my two children. So my son, has a, he's wanted to be the same thing since he was, um, I think, since he was six. He hasn't wavered. He wants, he wants to study robotics engineering. Um, my daughter hasn't been too sure. And it's fine. So be okay with where you are currently in your life, right? I think mm. that's the first thing. Mm. Uh, the second thing is get ready. And when I say get ready, I mean um, not only with your business in preparing invoices and price lists and processes and all those things. Those are important because it helps you save a lot of time in the future. Instead of you always uh, developing custom proposals or custom invoices, mm. it becomes programmatic. But even yeah. apart from that, wherever you are, even if you have a clear view of where you want to be, in your next phase, or you don't have a clear view, begin to prepare yourself. So there's some general skills you should have. You should have communication skills. So this is something I find lacking in a lot of career and entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurs. You're not able to communicate. So giving an example, you've had, uh, you have a customer, the customer isn't happy with you about a particular thing, you switch off your phone. Ah. very poor <laughs> very poor <laughs> communication or you have an issue with your boss at work and you don't want to face the issue head on so you start mm. avoiding your boss at mm. work you have to mm. learn communication and there's something that is called intelligent communication and it involves emotional intelligence right so this yeah. is one way you need to get ready you need to get those kind of skills so communication skills do uh, look at how to write emails so I found that when I was hiring people, a lot of people wouldn't put anything in the subject line or they wouldn't format their words. Yeah. You yeah. Know, these are really little things you should know. Um, read the newspapers. It's important. So while you are trending, everything that's trending on Twitter, all these things, it's also important to keep abreast of what's trending. But you should always have, I, I, I read this day, 
I read um, New York Times. I also read Medium, a lot of articles on Medium. You have mm-hmm. to get ready. So you are mm-hmm. aware of what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So um, get ready. Get ready. Just be preparing for the next step because you will find that when the opportunity knocks, you are not ready. The third thing I would say is don't follow trends. So coding is trending. Um, makeup artists are trending. Um, but mm. do you realize that before COVID, uh, people that made wigs were trending? And yes. a lot of them actually closed down their businesses because of yeah. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the truth is, there are some people that did hair that are still doing hair today because that is core to who they are. So yeah. avoid following trends and be true to who you yeah. really are. The yeah. things you really like, the things that really connect to you. This is very, very important. And then the last thing I would say in, in trying to find your way in this world, in trying to grow, is get to know who you are. Uh, I see a lot of young people, they, they, they're not really familiar with themselves. So they don't know their weaknesses, they don't know their strengths, they don't know their personality, they don't know their temperament. Um, there are opportunities that are presented to you because you know yourself. You know, I can do this, I can't do this. Mm. Um, and you find that people that know themselves grow much faster because they're watering the areas that need to grow. Yeah. So when you, yeah. when you understand, yeah, so you find out that it's a, 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 something I, I personally don't agree with. People always say, um, work on your weak areas. I completely disagree. Mm. Me, I manage my weak areas and I work on my strengths. That's yeah. what I do. That's my philosophy in life. Those areas that I find it easy. I now start putting skill on them. I put knowledge on them. I put learning on them. Because in that area, I am unbeatable. I will stand head and shoulders above everybody else. So one of the skills I have is relationship building. Okay? So you'll find me doing trainings on how to build charisma, how to connect, how to uh, mm. network. These things come naturally to me. But mm. with training on top of that, I mm. become a supernova. But imagine now, for me, one of the pl- places I struggle a bit is writing. Okay? Mm. I don't find it easy to write long articles or blogs. Mm. No matter the training you, t- you give me on blogging, uh, I'm not going to take it as seriously as if it were <laughs> my strength. <laughs> because it's like wasted yeah, effort. Yeah. It's something I don't naturally gravitate yeah. to. So the, the writing trainings I've done, um, I've done it because I need it to complement my job, but I haven't done it with any heaviness or seriousness that somebody that's naturally yeah. gifted in those areas should do. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was talking with my elder sister some weeks ago, and she said to me, um, she said to me, hey, hey, you've, you've always had a thing for, um, for constructing grammar properly from when you were a kid. And I was like, really? And, and, um, and they kept after me about math. I hated math. <laughs> I hated it, but I was great at grammar <laughs> and English and all that. And you know what? That is the area that, that, that should have been polished because right now um, I'm actually leaning towards that particular uh, area of um, expertise because of the content that I'm currently creating. And like you, I, I can't bring myself to writing long-form content. But 
I've found a fix for that, okay? <laughs> I simply talk and then I transcribe. I think I, I wrote an article um, for your magazine some months ago. And yeah. I, didn't tell you, I didn't tell you how I did it. I simply dictated it into my phone. And then, wow. and then transcribed it using the, um, the, um, the uh, voice uh, transcription tool on the iPhone and edited it proofread it several times and then sent to you <laughs> i did not write <laughs> so yeah so um like, like you said manage your weaknesses polish your strengths and then your strengths would get strong enough to make your weaknesses insignificant i guess that's yep. that's a that's a nice uh way to look at it so i wish i could go back and talk to my uh five-year-old self you know because i i had a lot of um self-esteem issues because i i wasn't so fantastic at math <laughs> okay. so um so you I, I mean you you started your career at microsoft about 18 years ago or thereabouts and um that's been a while and i know that um, um your journey hasn't been you know uh, all um sunshine and rainbows rosy yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah. what major challenges or obstacles did you face in the course of 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 your of your career i mean we we see where you are right now and it is by no means your uh your end uh your end point you know but you know before you got here did you get some did you um encounter difficulties challenges that possibly if could if they weren't handled properly could have ensured that you would not arrive here yeah definitely i think um in the beginning of my career my age played a huge factor because i was really quite young when i started i was in my very very early 20s i think i was like 22 or 21 um and i was demanding from the organization to put me in front of MDs and CEOs, you can imagine, and IT directors, they weren't taking me seriously. Um, but what I've learned, like I said, relationship skills is that uh, if you are able to provide value, a quantifiable value to customers, they, they can overlook everything, mm. you know, your age and, and all of that. Another, another challenge is really uh, the fact that I am a woman. It was a huge challenge for me because in most of the organizations I worked for, um, I've, I've done predominantly sales. In the sales teams, I would be uh, the only woman or one of the women. So when I was leading teams, I would lead a team of uh, men that were most of the time older than me. So it's, it could be a challenge. And for any woman um, in Nigeria, you know that... Uh, Nigeria is a very patriarchal yeah. society. So having a, having a number one, a guy reporting to a woman was challenging up. Then having a guy that's older, <laughs> you know, reporting to this, um, this young little girl was like a, a challenge wow. for most. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, in, in the light of what's going on um, in the world and with the economy, you know, I remember we did an event uh, to, together in December. I, I, when I was um, 
I was thinking about our conversation today, I, I, I stumbled upon the presentation that you created for the event. And, we, and it was titled, um, Surviving uh, Difficult, uh, Surviving in a Difficult Economy. I think something like that. Mm -hmm. And this was December. And we were thinking what we were going through was difficult. And I said to myself, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the guys who, who came for this event uh -huh must have felt like, okay, that, that talk could have possibly been preparing us for this experience, you know. Now, um, part, of, part of what um, goes on in the economy and in business uh, plays, it really plays a very uh, large uh, role in whether a business survives or not. Mm. Or, or, or whether uh, someone's career actually um, uh, evolves to maturity or not. A lot of companies have laid off staff. They, they've called it, uh, they've, uh, set, they've put them on, uh, they made them redundant, but that's a very nice populist way of saying you're fired, but you don't know it, you know. And uh, we, have, um, we have people whose businesses have struggled. They, I mean, they can't make payments. They can't uh, maintain payroll. There's so much going wrong in these difficult times. Now, um, just like we sat in that uh, conference room when we had that event and uh, had that presentation about living in difficult times and people then thought that that was the worst they could experience. I'm sure that right now we were thinking this is the worst we could experience. But I think mm -hmm. um, as we know about life, it's going to get worse, okay? It's just that our capacity yeah. to, uh, to handle those situations have been sharpened, you know, but not everybody has the benefit of the training or the mental fortitude that it takes to survive difficult times. So um, what, what would you say about... Uh, First of all, what's going on in the world for business? You work for a global brand, and I know that global brands are not immune to what's going on right now. Sales have dipped. Um, you know, the consciousness of these products has, you know, has been shelved for, for the meantime because people are thinking about survival you know, right now. So uh, certain things are not that important to the average uh, customer. So what would you say you know, about what's been going on and what advice would you give business owners and possibly career people? I have something to say after you're done about career people because they are going to be the hardest hit, sadly. Yeah. And, and, um, and I, well, I hope I can still say something about that by the time you're done because I know you're going to say some really cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know, um, see, yeah. This time is unprecedented. It's difficult. And as much as it's hard for career people and businesses, people have made money during this period. You know, um, yeah. over-the-top services like Netflix and all of that have grown mm. exponentially. Uh, data mm. providers, data service providers like MTN. You know, so people have experienced growth. And I've yes. seen a lot, of, a lot of organizations that now want to move into e-commerce. Remember what we said, yes. don't follow trends. Yes. E-commerce yes. <laughs> yes. e is very slim margins and very high capital. 
Yes. Um, so, um, to your point, what do you do? As a career person, there's a possibility you might be let go. This is true. Um, mm. The good news is that most times the organizations let you go with a payoff. So what they'll do is they'll look at mm. maybe you staying on for a year and how that impacts their organization. And instead they'll pay you three months. So they're saving six months, you know? So it is, it is the truth. You know, this is what, um, this is what will happen. Okay. Um, I think uh, what I have seen is that a lot of career people that have been let go have found a way to move into their passion or areas of potential business. And it's so strange because yesterday I was talking to my friend that was let go from his business and he has been wow. out of a job for a few months, but he has started doing other things. Again, uh, forgive me, but I'll reference the scriptures. It says that you should have, uh, there's a proverb that says, have seven to eight streams of income. So you need to yes. start looking for ways you can make money. And there's some very interesting yes. ways. So there's a, a website that allows you to provide feedback on mobile apps. You get paid for it. Mm. Um, I belong to a website where they call me. Um, different organizations from around the world can request for an expert on a topic. And then I'm paid sometimes between 100 to $200 for each app. You can do that. Whoa. Um, yeah, you know, they, but you, you, you may not have a lot of gigs. But remember, the point isn't to say this is the thing that's going to give me income. It's to have seven things that give yeah. you income. Yeah. Yes. And yes. then another thing that people are starting to do a lot on Instagram is they go to all these Instagram, popular Instagram uh, pages and say, look, if I post my, your product on my page and I make a sale, um, how much would you give me? Um, so hmm. those things are, you have to look for things that don't require capital. So what you're looking for is just ways you can make money and, and don't be ashamed to explore being a, an Uber driver, a boat driver, um, make connections. So I had a friend that lost his job and what he does is he does courier services. So you want to get a parcel hmm. to Abuja sensitive uh, documents. Um, so instead of take, sending it through DHL or scanning, you say, I'll take it to Abuja for you. And then you pay for a flight and he goes by road. It's stressful, but he makes mm. money from it. Uh, okay. Mm. So take your time and just look at how can I make money online? There's some sites. Yeah. I don't know if it's available in Nigeria, but there's some sites that for foreign students, you speak English with them for conversational English and you get paid. So there are many ways you can make a little bit of change online. You can blog, uh, get paid. I know some bloggers that charge between 1,500 to 500 uh, per book, um, per article. And then you can collate mm. your experience into an ebook and put the thing online and start going on Instagram live yeah. with the data. Yeah. So, you know, so there are yeah. many ways. Yeah. yeah. So explore those ways. But if you are in, your, in a job right now and you, are, you still have a job and you're not being laid, or you haven't been laid off, I would encourage you to start exploring some of these ways even today. Yeah. And not with the yeah. mindset that you will get fired, but with the mindset that you can only control the income you make yourself. But for the income yeah. other people are giving you, you can't control it because anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, there's a multinational software company. I actually, they interviewed me for a role there. And I didn't uh, take the job. 
they just closed down offices in Nigeria. So the entire offices is gone. They've closed it down. Yeah. So imagine that kind yeah. of thing. So that's the first yeah. thing. Then uh, the first part you asked me. The second part for entrepreneurs, you need to have a coming to Jesus moment. You need to put mm-hmm. your business, your different streams of income on the table and be real with yourself. And this is why yeah. things like accounting solutions, accounting packages, or even Excel is very important. So you can see whether your business is profitable, what product lines mm-hmm. are doing well, uh, which ones are giving you the highest return on investment. You need to see all these things. You need to, mm-hmm. as in, when I say be real, be real with yourself. If this business is not making sense, you know hard, close it down. If your business is surviving, keep it open because we don't know what will happen in the future. The second thing is start looking for help for your business. So there are many intervention funds. So yesterday I was talking to a hairdresser. She, her business had moved tremendously uh, before COVID. She had finally rented her salon. She had done it up. She was going, doing really well. And then COVID hit, she closed down her salon. She was doing wow. home service. She wasn't making as much money. And I asked her, did you apply for the CBN inter, um, intervention fund for small businesses? Mm-hmm. She said no. I said, ah, did you apply for the survival fund? She said, no. I said, did you apply for the Facebook fund that was giving $100 million to small business? She said, no. I said, so what help are you getting for your business? Bank of Industry gives uh, funding to traders, money um, um, market people. They call it G- yeah. government enablement empowerment program. You see what yeah. I said about knowledge in the beginning, being yeah. exposed reading the reading what's happening in the world because she was just praying and believing god for a breakthrough and a miracle she knew she couldn't continue to pay um so i said okay let me see your books because i wanted to see whether it could justify an investment she didn't have books she didn't even have a registered company name even a business registration then i asked her what's her official email address and she gave me um uh, is it hot lips or hot babe something at gmail.com you see you see what i mean about being ah. ready <laughs> being, being prepared yeah. and knowing so as you have come, wow. you've come you you've seen your business for what it is you know whether this is survival for some some businesses their business skyrocketed people that were baking bread that weren't making as much as uh, ah, people yeah. that did cakes it skyrocketed mm. uh-huh. then mm. ask for help ask for help, look for help. There's a lot of help for small businesses. It may surprise you that 70% of Nigeria's economy is based on small business. And yeah. that is why the intervention funding that's coming out is geared to small business. So people want to help, but you have mm. to know your business enough to seek that help, right? Mm. And then the third thing is, don't be afraid to innovate, okay? So you see some companies, there was a particular company that what they were doing is that they were doing hospital equipment, as soon as COVID mm. hit, they switched immediately and they started doing hand sanitizers, you know, mm. but they were doing it on a distribution level. For some, some um, companies, what they were doing is that they were only selling um, um, baby clothes. As soon as COVID hit, they quickly switched to foodstuffs. So be, be, don't, mm. don't be afraid to use your current platform and structure to innovate and do something new in yes. market. And in one yes. of my organizations, I did this. So what we were offering was a service that was supposed to be one to, to many. So one service that many people would, would use. And because of COVID, mm. we knew that a lot of uh, clusters of people, of maybe 400, 500, 1,000 people, 
were looking for technology solutions. And we just started tailor fitting solutions for them. So we'll be like, look, we'll get your mm. business online for your community. And it was tremendously successful. And in fact, we made more money from that than the traditional business. So don't be afraid mm. to innovate and think of how do I now adapt? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. I said it. <laughs> okay now i don't know what to say i'm just i'm just like thinking okay what am i going to say now that'll make me look cool okay i've got nothing okay so we'll just we'll just move on all right so um the the uh the thing with difficult times is that it's an opportunity for for people to just create new solutions that were not uh, apparent, okay? They were not apparent. I've been talking for, to businesses for years about this matter of documentation, um, get, your, get your business uh, duly structured and so on. And many of them just did not care because the way it was, was just working. And I said to a few people who care to listen, I said, a day is coming when businesses in Nigeria will be forced to operate by the book. And that was maybe seven, eight years ago. Okay. And no one could have predicted what's been going on right now. Everyone is forced to just line up, just like you said. Businesses have to come, have to have that come to Jesus moment, like, if you don't cut back that you know there are businesses that had to shut down their offices why because the expense on diesel did not make sense again <laughs> you know very very interesting changes had to happen a lot of businesses yeah. who swore they would never use uh, virtual offices or uh, or erps or software to improve communication and uh, and uh, documentation are now looking for these tools uh people that you would normally send a link to to say let's have a zoom meeting and they'll say zoom what i better come to my office now they are the ones begging you to send the zoom link things change yeah. and they yeah. revealed opportunities that were always there but the crisis basically enhanced the need for uh these services to be used so if you're listening these are very difficult times where we're releasing this podcast in the month of October uh, 2020. Um, and the coronavirus has, you know, is still a talking point. So um, if you're listening to this right now and you've been affected or you're, you feel like, you know, your job is at risk or your business is taking a hit, okay, just take a look, just look look at the problem there's an opportunity there that your business can take advantage of like what uh napa said find something that is related to what you're currently doing and just pivot slightly you don't have to capsize your business model simply because you're changing to uh, do something that would make you money there is an opportunity there related to what you're currently doing and all you have to do is make the adjustment and then for those of you who have jobs, um, career people tend to be the, the, the worst hit when things like this happen because they are depending on someone else to pay their bills. Um, 
do yourself a favor, wake up and smell the coffee. There are things that you need to start doing for yourself. You need to start considering business opportunities that exist even at your place of work or business or career, whatever you want to call it. There are opportunities that exist there. So you just have to position yourself to start taking advantage of these little opportunities. And there's, there's something that happens when you, when you start having these um, entrepreneurship moments, even when you're running a nine to five, they give birth to other opportunities. I tell people that I started, my current agency was born out of me simply doing little services, micro services within the agencies that I worked in. Okay, nobody wanted to do hosting. I mean, I started this whole thing based on hosting, selling hosting plans. The agencies I worked at, did not. nobody wanted to touch hosting because it was beneath them. They said, hey, hey, can you get us a domain name and hosting? I said, yes. Some of my oldest clients that are still with me today, all these years after, it was based on hosting. <laughs> so um, there's so much... Uh, that we can say about this, but please keep your eyes open. It's not the end of the world. Um, just get a grip and uh, make sure that you keep your eyes open for those opportunities because they are out there. All right. Yeah. We're, we're heading to the end zone. Okay. Um, you, now we've talked about the bad encounters in your career. How about the memorable ones? You know, you, I mean, while you were talk, talking about the Microsoft experience, I mean, that for me is the kind of thing that, you know, that follows you. I have experiences in my lifetime that follow me. I mean, you can, you, I, mean I can remember the way the, the grass smelt. I can remember the way the colors of that season. I mean, when things yeah. worked out perfectly. It, is there one notable experience? I hope it's not the experience where the lady from um, from uh, is it KPMG or or, or, uh, or WC gets up and gets up and walks out of the house. I mean, if someone does a movie <laughs> about your life, that that will be the moment with, with the uh, theme song <laughs> and the theme song, uh, you know, rises to a crescendo. <laughs> you know, but uh, is there any memorable moment? Uh, that that you can really uh, latch onto and say this moment really made sense for me. Okay, so there was um, many many memorable moments, um, but I think the one I hold on to was during my time in Cisco. Mm. Um, I was I think um, how many years experience then? I mean, it was my second job after Microsoft, and. Um, I decided to sell an audacious proposal to Lagos State Government. I think it was valued at about $120 million. And it was for a particular project that I can't really uh, share, but it was beneath, um, no, it was above my pay grade. The type of solution, mm. the type of product, the people I was engaging with in Lagos State, I was engaging with commissioners, with the governor, the, um, the sheer sense of belief I had in myself. I look back and I don't know who that woman is or who that girl was, because <laughs> I was in my 20s and I was moving like a ninja. Like even within Cisco, I was engaging with the highest levels at Cisco to get the project mm. approved. 
And in that project, um, Cisco approved things that they had never approved in Africa before because of me. So it, it's, um, I, I know that that person exists because it was me. But when I look back <laughs> and I look at that time, I really wonder what gave me such liver, for lack of a better word. I had such liver like I would go to Alausa, I would meet uh, the mm. governor, I would meet, like I didn't, I had no fear, no fear at all mm. about this deal. I was presenting the deal internally to the highest people. It's still wow. one of, uh, um, it's one of the high points of my career because Wow. It's, it let me know that if you really want to go for something, even though anxiety is tying your tummy up in knots, mm. or you feel you don't mm. have the experience, mm. or you feel that, because oh, I was meeting uh, men that had been in public service for 20-something, mm. 30-something mm. years, mm. even when you feel inadequate, um, you feel it's not possible, look, you can get things done if you can just mm. take it step by step, day by day. And that's what I was doing. So I would just say, okay, the next thing is we need to get this approval. They'll say it has to go all the way up to president. I'll be like, okay, mm. fine. How do we get that done? Mm. <laughs> Somebody said, uh, one of my friends told me, uh, my ex-colleagues said that there's no mountain in front of Napa that she feels she cannot move. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think wow. that is that that is how I've played out my life. So when some people see some things yeah. I do, um, you know, they wonder like what gives me the liver. And I'll explain what gives me the liver. I know this is not a Christian program, but I must mention number one, God. The belief that I am leveraging a being whose capacity and resources outstrip the collective in the entire mm. world. It gives me such a feeling of power. The second thing is, again, I would say play in your strengths. Those mm. areas I knew I was good at were the places I always stayed within. So I always looked like I was doing 120%. I really wasn't. Mm. I was just doing the same as everybody else. But people were trying to grow their weakness. I don't even understand that thing. Like you're mm. trying to, <laughs> you're trying to add, you know, mm. say, you're, you're, you don't have to do this one. I want to learn how to code. Yeah. I've never deceived myself I can code. You know, I've mm -hmm. never, I've never tried to do that. The best I do is maybe a little HTML or CSS in WordPress. That's the best I do. And it reminds mm. me of when I was learning how to drive. I couldn't, I just couldn't drive a stick shift properly. Mm. I just couldn't. Mm. So what I did is I researched trends in manufacturing. And the trend was that almost 100% of cars manufactured for domestic use would be automatic. So in a time when automatic mm -hmm. cars were not the norm, Napa drove automatic. And people said, you're driving it because you can't drive. I said, let it be. Because you see mm -hmm. this one is my strength. <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you see, so now when, when do you see a, a, a shift in the, a, a, ah. you know, when you're driving? It's almost impossible. So yeah. That, yeah. That, uh, that trust in God and then that playing to my strengths and then going for it, like diving head first. Yeah. If I fail, I fail. But even if I fail, I learn something. So that, I know it's a long-winded answer, but really that was one of my, my high points in my career. Mm. Wow. That's, that's an amazing story and very encouraging that, um, 
you know, all of this stuff is happening in the same Nigeria that we all live in, guys. So if if you're here thinking about, you know, there right now there's this craze about people wanting to escape. They want to um, leave Nigeria to go to another country. Now, I'm not knocking it because um, given the opportunity, a lot of us would relocate, you know, that, you know but I, I don't want to get into all that conversation about whether we should, you know, relocate, whether you shouldn't and all of those things. There, there are different um, opinions about that, but uh, there are people within this country still making legitimate deals and... Uh, earning a decent living. You know, everyone that is doing well in Nigeria isn't stealing from the country or stealing from other Nigerians. So um, just be encouraged that if you, if you make up your mind to do the work, um, be rigorous in your preparation and look out for those opportunities, okay? It will, it will work out for you eventually, okay? And uh, I'll just leave it there, okay? Um, okay, so we're, we're wrapping this up. I'm, I'm saving this for last because I know this project has a very special place in your heart. And um, I want you to talk about uh, what you're doing with the Jeremiah Foundation. Um, we talked about it uh, briefly last year. And you've been doing some very, very, very uh, beautiful work uh, with the foundation. I'll let you talk about it. And um, I also want to invite the listeners to, um, to get involved. I mean, she, we're, we're going to share the link to the website uh, in the show notes. And please, I'll invite you to please support this this is not one of those projects that uh, you give towards and it simply gives the convener or the promoter of the project more money to buy and escalate okay uh, this is someone who is in hungry trying to do something for the what the bible calls the least of these those who can't help themselves okay uh, so napa what is the jeremiah foundation Okay, so the Jeremiah Foundation's motto is breaking the cycle of poverty through education, one child at a time. Um, so our beginning, our origin story, as they like to say in the Marvel or the DC universe, mm -hmm. is we started <laughs> with a bag of rice. And when mm -hmm. I hear people online saying this, I started my business with a spoon of beans and all of that. It irritates mm. me a lot, but this is the truth. This is the truth. Mm. So we mm. started by sharing food in low-income areas, dry mm. food items. Mm. But we found out that the cycle of poverty could not be broken by handouts. Mm. So even if you fed people every month, the truth of the matter is that they would still have issues yeah. with taking care of their family. And yeah. not due to any fault of their own. So you, we would meet children that wanted to be really great things, uh, but you see them grow and they are unable to come out of that environment that they were born into. So um, yeah. we started offering scholarships. I mean, the first year we did seven children um, and we did it in a community school and it really wasn't very effective because the children weren't learning much. 
So again, what we said about readiness, we mm. um, got in touch with Lagos State, we got registered, we set up our structure, and then we really started looking for how do we, you know, bring out children from this area. So what we said was we wanted to get them through secondary school mm. and either put them in vocational, on a vocational path or take them into university. And um, we're now up to 100 children. Uh, we plan to be at 1,000 next year. And then within five years, we want uh, to have 1 million children in our system. Hopefully, by that time, we would also have a lot of graduates and alumni that are working mm. in um, the private sector, owning their own business. We understand yeah. this, is that if you take a child and you change the destiny of that child, that yeah. child would change the destiny of their family. And with yeah. the changed destiny of the family, they literally have changed their generation. Yeah. So we've seen that that really is the only way we can break uh, the cycle of poverty. So we give our children scholarships, we give them health care, uh, health insurance, 100% uh, cover, so they can get operations, they can get drugs, they can get screening. We do annual health screenings with them every year. Uh, for the widows that have children under our program, we give them a widow's fund. Um, we also have a Jeremiah store where we sell, in quotes, uh, uh, thrift items to them. So they get Jeremiah money, uh, which looks like a normal bill, and they use it and, and they shop. So that we don't want wow. them to ever feel that it's, it's charity. We always want them yeah. to feel like, uh -huh, you know, the dignity of, of yeah. your position is not influenced by how much yeah. money you have. And we always want them to have that yeah. dignity. Yeah, yeah. and then... Um, what we do is we do mentorship programs with them as well. So we teach them about sexual abuse, uh, sexually transmitted diseases, drug abuse. We have clubs. So we have a dance club, coding club, music club, because we want them to, as much as possible, enjoy being children and really express themselves. Mm. So that, that's where we are, the Jeremiah Foundation. Wow. Wow. That... <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't. I don't want to uh, even attempt to add, add to what you've said. Um, I can. I can only say that one. One statement you made uh, leapt up at me, and that was uh, what you said about uh, the only way you can break the cycle of poverty is when you educate a child. And my mind immediately rushed to my father. I don't know why it did, but it just did because um, up until my father, no, no one in, 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 our, in our clan had gone to school. And, uh, and my grandfather, in his, I, don't know, well, I don't know what came over him. He said, okay, his first son must go to school. And my father would tell me stories. He didn't have much, okay? I mean, my, my father had one change of clothes when he went to Hope Waddle, wow. Calabar, wow. one set of clothes, his school uniform, that he would wash the school uniform and wear a, wear a wrapper while the school uniform dried. And wow. he would spend his, and when I want to dry it, he would put it on and go for prep and then sit and read. And then, you know, I'm thinking of my dad and my dad was not given much to work with. You know, it was more or less like, okay, my, my grandfather was a tax collector <laughs> for the British, you know, co-colonialists. 
So whatever he made from his tax collection rounds, he would scrape a bit for my dad's education. So my dad would take the little he could um, raise from, from that back to school and just stretch every penny to be able to, he could not buy a new set of uniforms until, I mean, he finished from there and he, he, he had the option of, of um, going to the UK to study medicine, but he had to abandon that, um, that opportunity because he knew that his father had exerted himself massively to send him to school and he would not wow. be able to do that for the rest of, of his children. My grandfather had about five wives or thereabouts, and there were a lot of children scattered all over the place. So my father decided that he would, instead of going to the university, I think it was Cambridge or something like that, something funny. Um, he decided to, to you know, forego that and go into the um, job market. To He started out as a teacher, then eventually he wound up being um, one of the top managers, well, general manager or marketing manager of uh, John Holt, you know, back in the late 70s. And that's my dad. So, and out of my dad, a bunch of his brothers or my uncles went to school. One of them became a bank, bank manager. Several became bank managers and so on. And like you said, educate one child, okay, that has the power of breaking the cycle of poverty in yeah. in a community or at, at least in a family you know so um that that really landed you know on me because i'm a product of of just one child being educated it i mean he they, it doesn't have to be much like what you're doing for them right now you're providing them with the opportunity to learn different skills you're 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 teaching them you're training them i mean you're doing so much so that these guys would have opportunities that that uh, a lot of other children from uh, middle-class families take for granted. They even complain about th those things, you know, because they feel like, you know, it's not up to par. But, so but the little that you're doing, the little that you're doing is, 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 uh, is creating such an impact in these families. The impact will only be seen maybe, like you said, maybe in the next um, few years, you have the first graduates and then maybe someone is talking to the children of those graduates and they just say, hey, this foundation was the reason why our family clawed its way out of poverty. Yeah. And, 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 and they can trace it back to that one sacrifice. So if you're listening and uh, you want to be part of breaking the cycle of poverty from one on one family, okay, the link to the Jeremiah Foundation uh, website is in the show notes. Um, please consider becoming a supporter or a partner financially or any other means uh, of support that you can give. Uh, it, it is important that we take seriously the plight of those who are less privileged. Many of them are that way, not because they are lazy, but because they grew up in a system that did not prepare them for the future they are currently living in. And so they, uh, their families have been dragged into that cycle, not you know, entirely of any making of theirs, but just that certain opportunities were not available. If my father or if my grandfather did not uh, decide to send my dad to school and decided to blow uh, the money that he could have used to send his son to school on, 
on on uh, on alcohol and other uh, pleasures. Okay, uh, I might I might be a farmer in my village right now. Okay, I wouldn't own what I own today. I wouldn't have the training I have today. I wouldn't be talking to Napa today, <laughs> and my grandma would be would be horrible. Okay, so. Um, so Napa, God, God bless you for the work you're doing and for everyone who is supporting you and partnering with you for the volunteers and everyone who is making uh, the efforts that you're uh, making in the foundation possible. God bless them. And please, listener, this is not one of those foundations where you give and then your money winds up in something else. So please consider strongly doing this. Um, I believe that when you're listening to it, whether it's in the next five, 10 years, even 20 years, the foundation will be growing strong. Uh, do your very best to be supportive and be part of something that matters. All right. Thank you so much, Napa. Um, that, that is... That is such a massive story, and 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 I don't think there's anything more we can say that can top that. Um, yeah. uh, can, can can you let um, the listeners know where they can find you and your content, uh, however it is you want to be found, and where they can uh, support what you're doing with the foundation, and possibly, possibly, if you have content that could help them in the area of uh, learning how to navigate a career or business and entrepreneurship, uh, how can they find you? Okay, so I'm at Napsi Lalala on all social media channels. That's N-A-P-S-Y-L-A-L-A-L-A. And if you DM me, I'll tell you the reason why I'm called that. (laughs) And then for um, the foundation, (laughs) for the foundation is T-H-E-J-F.org. That's our website, thejf.org. Thejf.org. Yeah. So... Guys, don't forget that address, thejf.org, thejf.org. It's really important, really important. This is not that show where we talk about what, the society, what will happen to the society the day the poverty in the slums spills over into the subs or the suburbs. It will not be pretty. We, we who are privileged or who have certain um, advantages should throw a lifeline to those who don't. So uh, I would just like to lend my voice to this effort and I cannot stress it enough. A lot of people were scared because of what was going on during the uh, lockdown. There were, there were communities, whole communities that were um, really boiling over because there was no work for the um, breadwinners of, of, of those communities and people were just scared. At least at my estate, we had to put some money together to buy certain items, food items to distribute to the uh, lower class communities around us because if they just decided to just pay us a visit, you know, those on <laughs> uninvited guests it would not be nice all right so um, Napa, I, I, yeah i don't want to go there we've hit our hour mark and i'm so thankful that you were able to make this uh this trip um so um thank you so much uh if you want to get across to her remember her her profile um handles will be in the show notes the link to the foundation will be in the show notes and uh, we will be uh, looking forward to see how you, the listener, can be part of something that matters. 
All right. Thank you so much. And see you Thank next time. You. We hope that this was fun for you. Remember to support our sponsors because by supporting them, you support us. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and share this episode because when all is said and done, we need to support each other. Till our next episode, stay hopeful and build something that matters.